Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of light, the show of Mazante, Mescal, filmmaking, 8mm, and so much more with what is such a privilege to share this interview with you guys after so many months of holding it back. The man, the legend himself, Mr. Pedro Jimenez Guerrilla of Para de Sofrir and Mazante in Guadalajara, Mexico, a man of Mescal, a documentary filmmaker, a man who is so imbibed with passion for mezcal and the arts that via music, via film, via conversations and dialogues, he's sharing his great passion for mezcal with the world. He's someone that I had no idea interfaced with so many of the other lovable and amazing personalities in this industry, such as David Searle and Emilia Vieira, of which Emilio's interview will happen here later this week. But we got to sit down, Pedro and I, and talk about life talk about family, and talk about all things mezcal. He very rarely gets to make it into the States, and he is an articulate, artistic, beautiful person. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this wonderful chat with Pedro Jimenez Gurria. I always liked music. It's, it's something very important in my life. Yeah. And um, the other thing that took me to uh, making films, it, it was like my dad always carried like an 8mm camera. Did he really? Oh, really. Uh, and I loved that. Uh, and did, you, I, did he let you like take it and film yeah, things? Actually, yeah, actually, uh, what I loved most, it was like watching them like like screening, yeah, yeah. right? I, on Bring, eight bringing millimeter. people together and like kind of... Uh, yeah, the yeah. whole family. And we used to see like these vacations to Acapulco or anything yeah, like that yeah. or they used to drive to uh mccallan or really okay. Reno or stuff like that they yeah. really like to uh get on the road did you guys go to uh, drive-ins at all oh it was a big thing for my family and our country well they, they were like um i don't really remember yeah. ev- every trip but i remember going to mccallan and going to Reno and stuff oh, yeah. like that like to to hear the states uh but i i, I love watching those pictures like those movies like projected in an eight millimeter projector it, it looks was better like, on eight millimeter doesn't it 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 does yeah and i i, I actually like some years ago I, I i was watching them and i saw my father in it and i saw my mom and i saw everyone in the family and i was like so who was filming this <laughs> and my dad were was like you were and i was At like really oh okay <laughs> nice <laughs> that's a bit how, how old do you think you would uh, you probably been. like uh Six or seven. Oh, that's incredible. It is. Uh, so it, it was like, oh, okay. So I had like this background. <laughs> you did immediately kind of thinking about how things should look, like how they should yeah. be framed. Yeah. Kinda. Did, did you take that kind of, not, and I try not to make it into a larger thing than it is, but you have made a movie, you know, yeah. Viva La Mezcal, right? Or Viva Mezcal. So, I mean, that's, that's a feat. When you were younger, did you think about, man, maybe I'll make some movies. Maybe I will film some things well filming it's always been present not 
aiming to a feature film or something like that. Yeah. Because fiction hasn't been like my my style. Really? Okay. I like more like uh or if uh either documentary yeah, yeah. or experimental film. That is the other thing that I do. Yeah. Uh but no I'm I'm not always like concerned about I have to make this movie or it it just for example Dua Mescal was just like almost an accident. Yeah. It was supposed to be like a small capsule for this thing that was going on mm. about NUM 186 and I was really concerned and I thought how could I help from my perspective. Right, right. And I told myself well the thing that I know how to do is to make films or make documentaries. Let's mm. do like this 10 minute piece and let's spread the word of yeah. what's happening. Use the talents you already have, right? Uh, yeah. Well, the, at least use the tools that I know how to use. Sure. Uh, and that became a snowball and it turned to be a future film like for an hour and a half, uh, an hour and 18 minutes or so. Yeah, something like that. It's incredible. And yeah, and it, it turned out to be like uh, something that that I really like uh, about that film is not, I mean, it's not like an artistic thing or anything, yeah. but I, I really love that uh, people who were working around agave and uh, around mezcal and around all these things that uh, uh, involve mezcal culture right. uh, could at least be at once in a document. Yeah. And talking about all this uh, great work that have been done for years, and uh, but they were like working separately. Right, right. So for me, it was like a great opportunity to 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 unite these voices. It's amazing because you I think about that. it. Many tales, many processes, they're only handed down verbally mm -hmm. from generation to generation. Yeah. So the fact that, in, in a way, I think we were trying to do the same thing. There's this place in time and this sense of urgency that has to be captured. Mm -hmm. Because now we have so much technology, which I think, do you think the technology piece and YouTube and being able to post videos in a second, do you think that that has been good for communicating and uh, preaching the culture of Mescal? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you can have access to more things, yeah. um, not necessarily good. <laughs> right. I mean, you get more. Quality, it doesn't yeah. mean good, yeah. But I mean, if you, uh, once again, if you know how to use the tools, you yeah. can uh, take advantage of that and and really make something about uh, with that. Absolutely. So I think it's it's more than what is the media. It's how do you use it? How do you use it? Yeah. When you talk about documentary film and you talk about experimental film, can you recall things when you were younger? Maybe a film that really had a lot of impact on you in those particular genres? Oh, sure. I mean, I have a lot of them, but um, for example, one that I uh, remember a lot is La Jete. La Jete? Yeah. Chris Marquet, right? Yes. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I love that. I love uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Caligari, yes. Uh, a lot of that kind of kind of weird stuff, experimental Very stuff. Very visual, right? Yeah. No sound in this case. For yeah, both of exactly. these. Yeah. Um, the other one was just photographs and yeah. yeah that kind of stuff uh, really catch me because it was something different yeah I, it, it, I'm always thrown to to what's not what what it's done like properly and very efficient mm -hmm. uh, it's just like okay we've done that we've seen that right what else 
something new, something yeah, a uh, unique perspective, right? Yeah. yeah. To to just like yeah, to have like another thing to 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 put into the to the arts. So just being our uh, uh, own perspective. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. So growing up then in Mexico City, as you kind of do school and did you attend university there yeah. as well? What did yeah. you focus on there? Uh, uh, well, my career is one of the worst in Mexico. It's <laughs> <laughs> communication. That's how it's called. It's one of the worst here. Don't feel bad. It's, wor- it's like one of the worst everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, they show you a little bit of a lot of stuff, so yeah. you, you don't really specialize in anything. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I, I, I started to go to th- this film school uh, after I've done that, because now I, I knew that I was going to do something with films. Yeah. Uh, and I started to attending this uh, uh, film school that it's from the public uh, school of uh, University of, okay. of, of Mexico. And yeah, that really took off, uh, and I was like really hooked to that. Did you ever think about becoming, uh, or not becoming a filmmaker, which of course you would think, but did you ever think about coming to LA, for example, or really no. trying to pursue a career? No one wants to, but... <laughs> no, uh, no, actually, no, it wasn't like that. I mean, I, I didn't really like, felt like this urge to 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 be like in the middle of the thing of, right. of like at least commercial stuff sure. i was more in uh, back then into uh, experimental films yeah so actually the place where uh, our work was uh, better received was probably europe uh, in france for example the really yeah the there were like different or also berlin there were like different experimental film festivals and oh, yeah. they were always like what uh, what uh, what kind of years are we talking in the late nineties the early yeah, 2000s? yeah the first kind of short films that we started uh, sending to different places was like ninety eight ninety nine oh wow because uh, do you remember Run Lola Run that yeah was a big that was a big German film like around that time there, yeah there's a lot of interesting things happening yeah. in film in that that part and do you think that Mexico on the whole had ever had had a really strong film scene? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, actually, it's called the golden age of, of, of cinema in really? Mexico, okay. like 40s and oh, 50s. Uh, yeah, it was like a great era for Mexican movies. Yeah. And then they started like to to turn out, to turn to see how things were working at Hollywood. Yeah. And they started to change. To it emulate it and kind of try yeah. to be big budget, which yeah. takes the uh, nature away from it, right? Exactly. You see this par- this parallel I'm building, this metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It is very, and I, I understand what, what you mean where it, you just want to do something unique, mm-hmm. something spontaneous too. And honest. I think honest, yeah. the most important thing is to be honest. I mean, when you try to do things because uh, you think it's cool or you're trying to copy some style or yeah. something like that it's it, it kind of you can tell yeah i mean you can and and also you can tell when it's something that it's honest maybe yeah. it's not that big budget or maybe it is or yeah. whatever but whatever you do if it's honest people can tell that that's i think been so it's one of those things you shine a light on and it still sticks mm-hmm. up as being mm-hmm. honest and gr- gritty often too so where did when you finish film school in mexico city where what were you left were you were you left with a vision were you saying i really want to pursue this more or did you start seeing other things that you were particularly interested in no i i love doing what i did yeah. i uh, and uh, what i still do like 
making uh, films, making documentaries. It's amazing. Uh, I, I did also advertising and all, how did, how all kinds that? of stuff, TV. <laughs> yeah, because you work for I, a TV done. station, right? Yeah, for actually for all of the TV stations in Mexico. No I mean, kidding. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at least for a while in in each ones. Yeah, but yeah, I did like public television, like commercial television. Uh, yeah, just for small seasons. I couldn't stay long in any of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it, because it's not particularly creative, right? Like you gotta no. just do this thing. You're yeah. a set designer, a production designer, or something, right? And yeah, actually, you can be a little bit creative. Yeah. And for example, in in Channel Eleven, that was the one that I stayed most. Yeah, uh, they they let you be creative and oh, and really, great. yeah, uh, they lose the leash, and it was really cool. Uh, but still, uh, you were stuck in a in an office, and you had to do certain stuff, right. like very bureaucratic stuff, and. It was fun, but it lasted like two years, and I had it, and I had to go to the next thing. Do you like doing new things all the time, continuing yeah. learning and traveling and all of that? Yeah, I mean, just like moving furniture and stuff. <laughs> and it was like I need changes, and I and I, I like to move things. Yeah, and yeah. It's yeah. pretty. Good. I mean, I like that because it, the brain, your brain, is always moving. You're always thinking, perhaps, what's next? What can I create next? Yeah. Sometimes it cur- it's a curse. <laughs> Sometimes it's it just is, like, right? why don't you lay back a little bit <laughs> like, but and I enjoy can't, a I little can't, bit more? I, it's the, I mean, it's what we, what I like to call ambition. Uh, well, in yeah, a sense, it's, it's kind, kind of, of the, the core of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, it's not that you become in, impatient or or greedy or anything like exactly. that. It comes from a good place where you want to yeah. create something new, try something. New. Did you ever? Were you ever into painting or, or sculpting or anything using your hands, particularly? Well, uh, I I did some like took some lessons and yeah. stuff like that, but it I, um I mean I wasn't like professionally into it. Yeah. Um, Through the lens is your particular medium that's quite effective. Mm-hmm. Did you stepping you know one step getting closer into Mexico? What mm-hmm. about food? Were you ever in the hospitality industry? Did you cook or anything mm, like never. that? No, never. never. I mean. I enjoy cooking, but never like professionally or yeah. anything. I like I like uh, like eating and drinking, sure, like good stuff. Like I think anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I've never had a bar or restaurant or anything, and yeah. it wasn't in my mind at all. Interesting. Yeah. So even early on, there's a probably a big misconception we have in the states where we think. Mexican families drink tequila, mm. but from my understanding, they drink brandy, and they drink other kinds they of drink things. Whatever it crosses their <laughs> <laughs> their ways, yeah, we drink uh, a lot of things, and uh, um, most of Mexicans uh, try to emulate what's happening outside Mexico. Yeah, I mean, for example, especially in the cities, sure, and in like big towns and stuff like that, they try to emulate. Basically, a lot of it it's the states. Or some certain uh, countries in Europe, right, right. But that's it. I mean, yeah, we we tend to do that. Interesting. Um, so we, we, I mean, when I was growing up, it was like all all about vodka and rum yeah. and brandy and well. Was it pretty co- like not to say your family drank a lot, but no, not at all. Really actually, n- not at all. No. So your father didn't drink. Your mom didn't. Drink. No, I mean they could have just a, like. A, yeah, like a rum or yeah, yeah, yeah. just like a glass of it and that that's it. it. But only in special days, yeah. like 
birthdays or something like that. They they, they didn't used to it. So then it makes me wonder how do you as a now mezcal is the perfect embodiment of creativity and the collection of colors and sights and scent, you know what I mean? Like as a filmmaker mm-hmm. I could see where that interests mm-hmm. you, but what was your first interaction with mezcal like, which seems to define this massive part of your life? Can you recall that kind of getting yeah. introduced to it for the first time? Yeah, I was uh, um, around 15 year yeah. old. And I was uh, traveling with my parents um, in Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. And we stopped at uh, Mitla archaeological site. Mm. And I already been there um, with in, in another trip. So I kind of went fast and my parents were like laid back and yeah. taking their pace. And then I got out the, the, the archaeological site and I went to this uh, like, like, well, it was a mezcal store. They had like all this kind of cream of mezcal and right, stuff like right. that, like yeah. good mezcals and bad mezcals. And I started all in the same place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there wasn't like this kind of now like boutique right, right. stores and stuff like that it was like just well just no one stores. knew what they had yet right they would probably was their interest no, in they the were they, they knew i yeah. mean the the real producers and the real communities uh always they knew that that was a quality product got it okay uh but some other places that were more touristic uh they were like oh yeah let's give these tourists whatever yeah and they won't know and actually it uh, still happens i mean for me, that was that was experience. Mm. I mean, I didn't know about mezcal, and I was just like trying stuff. Yeah, and I mean, this this guy behind the bar, obviously was uh, uh, a guy from Oaxaca, and he didn't ask me for any kind of ID or whatever. Mm. They, these people are used to having kids drinking mezcal or mm. any kind of thing, so I started drinking a lot of samples. Of everything, obviously, I I couldn't really recognize which one was good or bad, or but it definitely um, kind of make a different experience for me. I mean, I hadn't had a lot of alcoholic beverages. Well, fifteen, uh, like yeah, how do you, exactly? Mezcal, I don't know that even uh, ten years ago that I could appreciate mezcal the way I can now. No, of you course. have to taste all these interesting things. You have to taste unfamiliar things mm-hmm. to understand mezcal. B- extremely bitter mineral you know what i mean mm-hmm. so so it's bound to be did you find it a pleasing experience it was uh strange yeah it was strange. exotic it was like different uh, i took one with the worm in it right, and, uh, right. i went all the all the way right and but uh, that was just my first experience mm-hmm. but through the years I, I kept drinking and going to parties and drinking a lot of stuff vodka beer whatever sure, sure. Uh, like any other teenager uh, but every time that I cross uh, with some kind of mezcal it was like something oh was this, this is once again this this kind of sense uh, yeah. like ex- something was different was it exciting yeah every yeah time, it was right? yeah uh, then it started to be interesting and then after years of having this thing and recognizing that was mezcal that, yeah. that was doing this i started to ask um but that was al- already when i was like in the university right, right and making these uh trips to different places i always like like to travel 
so I was like wandering any many places right and every time that I went to this different town I asked for any kind of mezcal that they had just get to take it all in to learn yeah did you like the the do you like to learn yeah I do you do. like to research and these kinds of things yeah some sometimes uh for example at some point uh, I just stop yeah because then you start to theorize everything and just to try to break it down yeah through a structure and that's not the way it happens. That's not how art happens. Exactly. Right. So you have to uh, give a little space to intuition and to just live the things that you're trying and not try to break it down in, in formulas and stuff yeah. like that because you take out the essence of you, what that, you're trying. You're absolutely right. You take the passion, the roman- romance out of it. Yeah. You know, if you tried to create some parameters around love, mm-hmm, yeah. it would become incredibly mangled. Yeah. It, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as special as it exactly. does feel like every day. Mm-hmm. And so you're tasting more and more mezcals and it becomes even more interesting? Yeah, actually it was when I started doing documentaries. Yeah. And, uh, well, with this kind of uh, itch of being documentary filmmaker, mm. uh, I started asking more and to try to know the produ- producers, how did they do these things that they were doing and just to talk about their experiences more than in the technological aspect or mm. the the techniques or the timing or whatever just like just about their lives and stuff like that Exa- who are these people because yeah mezcal you cannot make a film without it representing you in some way mm-hmm. and you cannot no. create a spirit like mezcal or soto without it being a part of you exactly so you can talk about how you make it all you want mm-hmm. but did you find that these did you find any kind of similar characteristics among the people that were crafting mezcal? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, all of them, they were all honest, hardworking people. That's right, yeah. Uh, Just for a start. I mean, some of them, they were like, most of them were like loving parents and like, I mean, a lot of the romantic part of the, uh, the rustic part of Mexico, like Mm. all these little towns, People tend to do be to be like that. Probably, like from ten years to now, has been changing a little bit. Yeah, and this romantic side of the Mexican fields and to that everything is perfect in in these places is not like that anymore. Uh, not all of the, these sure, places in sure. Mexico, but, but you see it, it, you've cropping seen up more that it's yeah a little bit less at ease. Yeah, maybe. like this this thing that was uh, a little bit even naive yeah um but there still is like this romantic part and that was the the thing that i i saw that these people had in common yeah and then then was when i started to try to research whatever was available Mm -hmm. but back then there was nothing available i mean there was like this very specific and botanic academic type of articles and those are hard to read though they are i mean you really have to get to know these people and try to understand all these uh technical that's the lingo right yeah Yeah, yeah. and then you start to get to know this and and try uh, start to enjoy it too Mm. but it was very technical or the other thing it was like very like uh, it was very not that much informative Mm and more into the 
like the commercial part of it. Right. Like um, maybe like an agenda? Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. I mean, it was like a very touristic thing yeah. and we'll, with all this, uh, and basically everything was pointed to Oaxaca. Right. And, and yeah, there wasn't really much information. And now it's, it's completely different. We're, it's we're enlightened now, if you think about the knowledge. Uh, yeah, in a sense, yeah. But also there's uh, a lot of misinformation. Sure. And most of that misinformation is produced by brands. Mm. So if you want... The money. To, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to enhance the, the, the name of your brand and whatever you talk about, these yeah. beautiful aspects that it's supposed to have. But sometimes it's not true. Sure. And it's it's hard to, to find those, those. I mean, for for people that doesn't know how it's happening, and if you see that on a website or on a video, it's like, oh, these people say that this is like the way it is. Right, right. But how do you really know that it's true? So it's kind of hard, and it's uh, that that for me is the, the the like the worst part because it's okay if you wanna to say that your brand is the best and right. that it's very traditional and hardworking families and whatever but other thing is like saying lies to the people do you f did you feel like because you're kind of immersed in it and you spent so much time with the people mm -hmm. that as maybe a man or a documentarian of the people th that it was maybe your role to be the, the truth teller the one that says I have an audience perhaps mm. I have the intelligence maybe it's my obligation to this art to share and make sure people know what exactly is going on? I don't know if I, I felt it like that. That was big. I yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I've always like uh, been. I, I get very angry with uh, people being unjust. Yeah, unjust. Uh, and yeah. and it's just like I have to do something, and I get really like ah, frustrated <laughs> yeah. if, it, if something doesn't happen, or if you don't do anything, or yeah. whatever. So, well, it, it was like, I mean. I mean the first thing that I did, like uh, that, it, it expanded a little bit, was Viva Mezcal. Yeah. And when did a uh, year are we talking when you did that? Uh, that was 2012. So still kind of on before, at least in the states, it was Mezcal was really really growing as yeah. a category. Yeah. I mean, I think it was like growing, even in a lot of places in Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it only like. Uh, grown in Mexico City and that was it interesting but uh, I mean in Oaxaca I mean there wasn't there weren't like all these places that now they offer mezcal tastings and so even even where it is basically made a lot of the time it, mm -hmm. like there were places not serving it but now they are because even inter internally it grew yeah I didn't realize that they have uh there there's been a change on the recognition of of mezcal through all mexico yeah and especially in oaxaca because it was like the, the, this place that was most known for mezcal right. production and even uh, i mean even now people come to me and and tell me like oh oh mezcal well it's only producing oaxaca and right. i'm like no but yeah i mean uh, and not only like people from out of Mexico, people in, in Mexico, Mexico itself. and they really don't know about all these other places that produce mezcal at the same time that was produced in Oaxaca, uh, uh, most, um, a lot of them on the same level of quality, yeah. 
but they're not as known as the mezcals producing. It's like, you know, that we have a lot of misconceptions in the States, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you think certain areas, oh, they're conservative, though these certain areas are liberal. But really, we're a very big country. Mexico is a very yeah. big country. And so yeah. I guess it's not a huge surprise. We, we I guess it's really weird, and I think you probably understand this from the state's perspective. We're like, oh, Mexico is all kind of, they, mm-hmm. they get it. They're all like Mexicans, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But it is not that simple. <laughs> yeah. You've got East Coast, West Coast, you have inter- you know, like all these kinds of interesting things. So as you, how many years would you say, maybe an academic or creative pursuit, before you opened your first bar, were you deeply entrenched in the culture of Moscow, documenting and asking. Well, I think like the first uh, time that I went really, really in was for making uh, Viva Mezcal. Yeah. I mean, I've worked in other documentaries like anthropological documentaries oh, okay. and and uh, like all these customs of different um, and traditions of different places. Yeah. And they involve Mezcal, but it wasn't ab- all about mezcal. It's just kind of like, it's a little underlying theme, right? Yeah, and people that we interview for other things, like uh, problems with lands and stuff like that, yeah. they were producing mezcal, but that wasn't the main uh, subject. It's so interesting that it's like, it's there, yeah, but not what you're there to cover, there. but it's always there in your it's part of your life. It's always been there. Tapping you on the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, and you you understand it uh, that every time that people say, "Oh, there's a boom of mezcal, and it's like a trend," and, uh, and it is for a lot of cities, but yeah. in the communities where they're produced, it is always life, been there. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, like electricity. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yeah. You're right. It's a cur- I call it a currency. Yeah, right. It's a exactly. way that people exchange. It's a commodity. It's no different than bananas or oil. You know. Yeah, or or clothing or exactly. oh, language. Exactly. Yeah, it, it is. It. It's part of that culture. Mm-hmm. So, what enticed you, learning from the documentary, learning from just being around Mescon for so long? What was the impetus for you wanting to start your own venue, your own mezcal mezcaria? Well, that was like more like a personal desire. Yeah, <laughs> because um, well, I used to. Uh, lived in Mexico and then I moved to Guadalajara mm. but what I did, what did you what what took you to Guadalajara well a lot of things but basically my wife oh, okay. now my wife yeah uh, did uh, you follow her there and then yeah you, yeah that's how dude that's how it goes yeah. you know how it is I, I, mean, I will not fault you for that yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah well it worked out in this case so everything yeah. it's going I mean, great all it, uh, as you were saying at the beginning uh it 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 just happened because it had to happen on that timing exactly because i was uh had it with uh mexico city yeah. i was like looking where to move were you uh, were you a, a wild guy did you party a bit um yeah kind of <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> no no you I seem did. very very even tempered and content and zenful now <laughs> you mean it to me right but, okay but i could see like yeah he probably enjoyed a good bit yeah. of college life no, for sure. I mean, we did a lot of parties, and yeah. I used to uh, put music in different places and venues and stuff like that for different events. Yeah, and uh, as I told you at, at the beginning, I, I love music and I love uh, hearing music, uh, playing music, even DJing. And That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. So, does a venue then provide a great place for you to enjoy all of the things that you love? 
Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> intended like that. But yeah, it wasn't intended like that. No, uh, I mean, actually, uh, as I was saying, I got to Guadalajara uh, because they actually they asked me to give a a, a, a workshop of uh, experimental film. Oh, amazing! Okay, and at a certain university in Guadalajara, and I went there. I stayed there and just started living there. Mm. Uh, but I was already like a mezcal lover for years ago. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, I was surprised that I couldn't find any decent mezcal over there. But it's, a, it's, it's such a metropolitan epicenter of yeah. culture and things. You would think you would be able to. Yeah, at least uh, one or two. Right. But it wasn't. And so uh, I started bringing mezcal from different places to to different parties or to our house. And how did you come about it? Like, how did you get bottles? With your relationships? Like, the people that you had met? Yeah, I mean, uh, from different places. And still, like, I was still doing documentaries and films yeah. and traveling a lot. So every time that I went someplace, I knew how to get to... You knew how to get the good stuff. Scout, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I brought some of that uh, back to Guadalajara and... Um, started sharing i mean in different places and people were like really amazed and yeah. i've never treated something like that and and i was surprised that some people even told me that they even they didn't even heard about mezcal that's and incredible. i was like really yeah that's kind of crazy so i got started in, that started me to be interested in that yeah so uh we decided to start making tastings at our house, so we had like yeah. a little yard inside our house, like a very old, uh, old, old house, and just invite some friends to to talk about mezcal and sure. to try something. That I brought something really bad and something really good, yeah. And they liked it, and then we started doing more. Uh, and these friends invited some other friends and some other friends, and there so was suddenly. Once again, a party you at had a our house club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with eighty people around, and <clears throat> it was kind of crazy. But people There's not like, enough sandwiches. We gotta yeah, make exactly. more sandwiches. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and suddenly, some uh, kind of like a joke, or and not that much. Uh, people started to ask us, like, "Why don't you open a mezcal bar?" Yeah. And uh, it's not that we didn't think about that, right? Because we were doing our jobs, like in production sure. and stuff like that but the regular like, stuff yeah it could be like plan b right sure and then after meeting the guys that now own uh mezcaloteca yeah we were like already we already knew them and we we've talked about mezcal and make some mezcal tasting with them and stuff and we were like yeah let's do it and three months later after that tasting uh we were renting the space at now the Paris Free, one of the mezcal bars that we have. That's incredible. Yeah, and we didn't thought about it too much. I mean, we. What did you seek to achieve with that spot? Just mm-hmm. edu- was it more educational? Was it more yeah. casual? It was like more educational because we started uh, only giving tastings. Yeah. And we only opened Fridays and Saturdays. Oh wow! Okay. And the idea was to have this place. Uh, just kind of following the, the 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 kind of way that mezcalerias were in Mexico City mm-hmm. that were like really quiet and intimate. Uh, <coughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <coughs> but 
And with yeah, that was the idea, the first idea, and then you started DJing. No. Yeah, <laughs> actually, and that happened. Uh, but the idea was like to to if you wanna if you're gonna have the first experience with different types of mezcal, yeah. let's do it with really good mezcals and sure. or the, like really uh, like the authentic kind of mezcals. Mm. And that's why we didn't offer any kind of cocktails and we didn't offer like really bad mezcals we were all traditional mezcals and how did people it, respond to it uh well pretty good actually yeah i mean we were like obviously like the main concern was like why are you gonna open a mezcal bar in the middle of the tequila land right yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but people in guadalajara didn't drink that much tequila yeah. They were more into whiskey or vodka sure, or whatever. Sure. And if someone brought something new, it was like kind of interesting. The people were ready to 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 drink something more yeah. than what have they they have been drinking. So you so captured it, you captured part of their their minds. They hadn't thought about it like, "Oh, this is new, this is exciting. We haven't really we've heard of it, but yeah. You're able and to offer an experience, you know." Yeah, that was it. I mean, we were trying to offer that kind of experience more than let's try this that and get drunk with it. Yeah, it's more like no, let's talk about it and and yeah, let's party a little bit. But sure. it was like that. And actually, it was like the first time that we opened Paris. It was for uh, uh, like the party of um, one of the documentaries that we did mm-hmm. that didn't have anything to do with mezcal. Just something. but it was like the film festival sure. that yeah. that time at Guadalajara. And we hurried to open it up uh, because it was like it was the screening, and then we had to have the party. Yeah. And at that time, we didn't have in, even the bar. The doors of the bathrooms were just installed that day. Right. Wow. We were like just like, and that was a really big party, <laughs> and it was remembered <laughs> and still being remembered nowadays. But that's incredible. And, and that kind of. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, like set the the ambience of that yeah. that mescaleria because as I told you uh, we were thinking about like a really quiet place and stuff right. like that and now it's like this crazy party. I heard place. it's incredibly hip. A lot of students go there. Good music. A lot of people go there. I mean, we have like these young guys from eighteen year old, yeah. and then you see next to them a couple of. 60 year old couple that's crazy and yeah it's uh, that's what i love the most of, of paradise it's very eclectic do you get behind the turntable at all uh, sometimes sometimes what would you spend like in this, oh. this kind of day and age is there something you're really listening to lately you'd like to spend i like to spend a lot of things uh anything that it's danceable <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. can be uh kumbe can be uh, uh funk it could be dancehall it could be whatever how I mean, do you feel about 80s yeah, that too. I mean, I just, I, I'm sorry. I always think yeah, about yeah. Depeche Mode. I'm always thinking about Depeche Mode. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. It's always on my mind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I throw a lot of uh, sixes nowadays. Yeah. Like a lot of Boogaloo and uh, Mambo and different kind of stuff. Interesting. Sixes, yeah. you say. Okay. I yeah. like that. So you get one notch on the belt. Now, this is not to make it seem like an ego thing, but you've, captured the world of mezcal through a lens i think you've expanded your kind of creative purview you've opened this amazing mascaria at the, that point 
so Mazante, when did that sort of take form for you? Well, uh, it it became a place. It was already a project mm-hmm. because it, we were already working with producers. What does Mazante mean to? Uh, Mazante is a cinnamon to mezcal in South of Jalisco. I like see, it's okay. it's how uh, people in South of Jalisco call the heart of the cooked agave. Oh, interesting. Instead okay. of being mezcal yeah. in other places, <coughs> it's called mesonte over there. So it kind of really makes sense. Yeah. And the thing is that Paredes uh, grew and uh, started to be more like this kind of bar atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. So people coming in and out and music and dance. A little and bit whatever. different than maybe mm. what you'd originally intended, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the main uh, thing that... Uh, was supposed to be that it was like all this information and trying to get people to know right. mezcal culture. Uh, it wasn't disappearing, but you had to go close to the bar or ask the, the waiter. Or right, right. So we decided uh, that we had to keep that going and keep the information going. And uh, if, we, if we didn't want to just uh, stop the 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 nature growing of, of Paradiso Free. Yeah. So we decided to open this other place where it was um, it was intended just to put all your senses into what you're drinking and talk about it. Yeah. And yeah, just share both ways. Right. Um, Quieter. Yeah. More, more intimate. Yeah, in this case, yeah. Totally. Totally intimate. It's like the most people that can, can get in it's like 20, 25 oh, wow. people. So very uh, appointment based. Uh, it started like that, uh, but we kind of thought that it was like um, a restriction for a lot of people that sure, could sure. be interested and not know about it. So we started open just two days a week, and for a very small uh, time, it was like it's only from four to eight right. p.m. When did you when did you open, Rosante? <laughs> It's a little bit more than four years now. Oh wow, that's incredible! And yeah, that was and that's still the 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 main objective of that place, to to share the culture of mezcal, to try to understand it, and because it's 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 clear that if you know uh, anything, uh, in this case, this spirit, yeah, and the culture that it's behind it, and to really acknowledge as a cultural element instead of a, of a merchandise right, thing. Right, right you can really respect it and you, uh, you and enjoy it, it more absolutely so so that that's still the the, the thing with Masant. so you've got your place to have a great time yeah a little bit louder a little bit more enlivened but then yeah. you also have your thinker so mm-hmm. you, it's funny because it's kind of like writing a song that you unintentionally write and everybody c- considers it an anthem You're like <laughs> fuck man i was just i was puttering around with that exactly song, you know? <laughs> It's, it's funny to fall into success sometimes like that, you know? And so from what I understand as well is under the, beyond being a mecca f- for Mezcal, Mazante is also a brand. It is a yeah. bottle. And mm-hmm. I understand, I don't know, I, I don't think John has a problem talking, with me talking about this. It is coming to the States. We're working on that. Yeah, I, I, mean, hear, it's, I hear it's, it's inevitable. Well, I don't know if that's inevitable, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, we're working on that, and we're not on a hurry yeah. or anything. Uh, we're trying to do things the right way and try to respect 
the whole process of it yeah and to see how's the best way to deal with that with producers with the people who are gonna uh, be able to have some this uh, small batch right of, right a, a little bit of that here in the states and how do we decide that because obviously it's not gonna be when it comes to to reality it's not gonna be like uh, sending boxes and boxes and right yeah it it it's it has to be like like it is and you can't send that so you you have to work in in a very collaborative way sure so you have to see uh how uh, how do you work with people in mexico and here in the states mm. to make this the whole chain of communication the best way as best as possible uh-huh and it's interesting because you're here you know in san antonio to present with a few great people uh, including ricardo Vico, yeah. and graciela is also presenting and it is the concept, I think this leads into the next little bit of a discussion, but how to not mm-hmm. start a mezcal brand, <laughs> which is a little cheeky. It's, yeah, a, it's kind of like a, a backhand. <laughs> I like it a lot as a title for a course. So you obviously have great relationships. You've established that you respect the art and the culture and the people foremostly that make mezcal, um, probably more than most people I've met. So for you, what is... As mezcal grows, how is that going to take its toll on the people making the mezcal that we've grown to love? Well, it's a tricky thing. I mean, I think both things are inevitable. One is actually the industrialization of it. Right. And the other one is like the the preservation of it. And I think that's a good thing. I mean... uh, putting perspective and thinking about other spirits that have gone through that. Mm. I think right now mezcal has an advantage that is uh, precisely information yeah. uh, behind it and it's uh, spread uh, all across the world. And the other uh, tool that it's really important is actually the things that we were talking about media. I think now the social media is uh, is working a lot with that. I mean, it's another tool that you can use right. to generate this information and to make uh, or generate awareness in people and in entrepreneurs and people not only that are interested in making brands or making uh, like uh, commerce with sure, that, sure. but us as consumers or people that are interested in not only the drink but also the culture behind it and the archaeological elements the cultural elements the biological elements there are a lot of things around doing mezcal and and selling mezcal. far more than what we see exactly it's like the cost of our meat here in the states Mm -hmm. that's a great you know we don't really think about where it comes from or the waste exactly or the ecological impact Mm mm-hmm so trying to do that, it's like um, what we have to put the attention in. I mean, we we really have to. It sounds sometimes I think it sounds like cocky, but mm-hmm. you have to really put agave spirits in another in another drawer, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. we say in Mexico, uh, in another category because it really is. I mean, it's a different type of 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 
how do you grow this this raw material right. uh what involves especially and i insist on on saying uh, a cultural element it's not just like this merchandise right It's a cultural element. Yeah, you, people want to ascend like they, they want to take the face off of it, mm-hmm, right? Exactly. It's, just, it's just a number and commoditize it. And I think exactly. you're right. I think that's what happens when you you have any kind of art. Someone mm-hmm. you've got the first one that's very honest, and then you've got the the imitators, like you said. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think people can tell, as we were saying, that uh, you can. S- tell when people are honest yeah uh it's the same thing in quality when you taste something that has a lot of quality in it you can just look away i mean you really acknowledge that and see uh what's behind it in a certain way right and like um what i see and for example i'm giving you a hint of what I think I'm gonna talk tomorrow about yeah, this. Please. Is that <clears throat> you really have to get into the culture to really understand it, right. so you can really do a brand. Is is empathy a good word for that? Empathize. Yeah, yeah. I think and um, to really get deep in it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you go there and visit one community once in Oaxaca and you say that now you know how mezcal is produced. Right. Nothing like that. I mean, you really have to live there, actually. Be immersed in it. Exactly. And it takes a lot of things to really, if you really want to do things right, right? So uh, now you don't have like this uh, argument that you don't have the information about it. Right. Or you can... Oh, you can't, (coughs) ignorance is, you can't plead ignorance anymore. Exactly. Because all of the information is out there. It's out there. So you can't just look away. Yeah. I mean, you have responsibilities in doing that. So I think that's the main thing. I mean, to be responsible of what you're doing. Where do you do you see yourself? Let's mezcal is a movement. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, in terms yeah. of how many people are becoming involved with it. Yeah. How many different <coughs> new amazing varietals even that are entering the states? Mm. New Puebla being a new state able to produce mezcal. I mean, this mm. is great things. Diversity. Where do you, do you see yourself as having a particular role in this narrative of mezcal, or you're just a piece of this moving yeah, machine? Yeah, I think I'm just a very small piece of it. Yeah, I mean, because you're very revered. I mean, the people consider you an a foremost expert <laughs> in the field. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sure it was completely unintentional, but it's like if you look at Mr. Mezcal and not right, like you, you're <laughs> one of the premier figures. Well, I really don't know about that. <laughs> really, uh, uh, that is my favorite <laughs> answer. Of like, people, when whenever I ask somebody, it's like, "How do you feel about how important you are?" At least as I perceive it in this mm. whole field. Like, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to do what I think is right to do. Yeah, I think. I don't know if it's like that big uh, importance or, and I don't really kind of, as as I was telling you about jobs and stuff like yeah. that, I don't really like to be like put into a label or, and it's not because it's, it, it has responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, 
if people perceive me as a something like it's like something that's important of what absolutely you then you carry some responsibilities right and you uh, can let people down yeah right. uh but the thing is uh the the commitment for me in first place is with the producers yeah and that's where where the the real intention of of making all these efforts that we do is 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 with their families yeah and then if the other things come around and everything puts in place and whatever okay that's great but yeah i i'm i'm not looking at that i mean I, you're an artist not, no i don't know. I, le, le, I, i mean i think so right okay. like, I, i mean i don't i'm it's that believe me that's not giving you too much credit no okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Lot of, there, there are a lot of artists but i feel like you're here for the right reasons you know you care I about the so. people which is an amazing <laughs> thing which makes me wonder you know you have two successful bars under the belt present potentially going to bring some mezcal to the states that reflect your level of commitment to people commitment to quality flavor all of that but what is the post mezcal world for you look like do you want to start a restaurant do you want to make a film have you thought about that well i keep documenting everything yeah i mean every time that i go to there's different communities uh with the producers that we work with uh I always carry my camera and mm. take at least take pictures or uh tape them and yeah. make interviews and I I've always done that and I will always do that yeah. because I think it's a it's a thing that we have to document and especially right now I think it's a very important because it will disappear as uh, we know probably yeah. uh, a lot of it it would disappear yeah and and yeah so that's for me is very important to have it on tape or digital or whatever art archive <laughs> exactly yeah. and and that's that's the thing that I, i i see myself doing i mean i'm not thinking about another restaurant or anything like that yeah. i mean i have enough with the things that <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <have. laughs> yeah. I, i mean as uh, i have a family I, i like to spend time with my kids and yeah. wife and just have an regular life i don't i don't want to be involved in a lot of uh, work and right. just to be a slave of that so it's just like try to to do my part that's it that's amazing well i have one last question for you <coughs> because this is i was you know maybe it's a trite question i don't care but I've, i've talked to a lot of people and i really love asking this and mm -hmm. let's say you're in your favorite bar in mexico drinking mezcal if there was a single person that you would like to share a mezcal with, alive or dead, who might that person be? Filmmaker, artist, actor? No, with my wife and kids. Amazing. Yeah. Your your favorite company? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Well, it's yeah. been, I, it's <laughs> so, I'm so glad we get to make this happen. And, And I think your work is important. Let me say, right? Okay. okay. You know, I, th I think it's important. And Thanks. your reputation does precede you. And you are amazingly humble. This has just been brilliant. Sit down and chat, dude. Thank you. So, Pedro, thanks so much. And I hope to keep in touch. Yeah, we will. <laughs> brilliant. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, there we have it, Mr. Pedro Jimenez Gurria of Mazante Par de Sofia, the documentary filmmaker of Viva Mezcal, a man who loves people, loves culture, loves art and in a way mezcal is the perfect culmination of all of those things of which pedro is 
passionate about. It was just really lovely and a humbling experience to sit down and talk with them. A man who is by no means simple, but is so connected to his family, connected to the earth, and so connected to the people who devote their lives to crafting mezcal, a representation of their culture, a representation of their history, their family, and to be able to be transported back to these places via a bottle, via the amazing labels that Mazante tries to bring to the forefront of the mezcal conversation. Just a lovely and very noble effort. So, Pedro, really just such a pleasure getting to chat with you, and I hope we get to sip some mezcales very soon. And thank you for listening to Show to Be with Mike G. No matter how many times you can not stop listening to the new Royal Blood record or you're thinking, oh my God, Baby Driver was exactly as good as I could have ever hoped for and I want to see it again and again, please keep thinking.